Well, thank you very much. Love to have that buzz going on in here. So that's very, very cool. Um, the way we developed this series, it's a four-week series, is we uh, went on the website and uh, questiongod.tv, which you can do at any time if you'd like to either throw a question on there or read the ones that are already on there. But we just went on and tried to find the ones, the uh, themes that seemed to be on there and try to answer the, the main questions that were coming up on the website. And so let me read a few of them that uh, kind of address what we're going to talk about today. Um, what about all of the religions? Are they all wrong? Um, is Christianity really the only way to heaven? Isn't being a good person enough? Which God does this go to? <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, one of the things I love about humanity is people's uh, sense of humor. You know, it's like, so why am I doing this? When I, what, what's God's email? How do I get a hold of him? Uh, the other thing people are asking, too, is why is it always humans doing the talking for God? <laughs> and a lot of questions lately, I would say just in the last few days, really questioning who are we to think that we can actually answer questions for God. And I just, I just want to tell you, I said that a couple of weeks ago. Um, if there's anything that we know, even as I just shared a few minutes ago, my limited understanding is only going to be able to grace you with so much uh, non-infinite wisdom today. But basically what, I, what we are trying to do is just give the biblical perspective that has been graced through Christ. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Obviously, we're human and we're flawed and we're limited in our understanding. But we also know that God is, we believe, that God is really alive and speaking to us. And hopefully we'll do that through us today. So let me, let me hit a few more questions here. Why does God allow so many different types of belief on the earth? Especially when it is the reason for so much hate and confusion in life. Throughout, uh, how can anyone be certain of the way when so many people are so convinced that they know God, that God has spoken to them, and yet the diversity of thought, action, belief could never come from one source? What is it about your holy text that makes it any more credible than the others? What makes you, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, any more likely to exist than the Hindu gods? I want to believe, but it seems like an awfully big coincidence that the God of my parents taught me to believe in and the God of most popular, uh, uh, and the God most popular in the country I was raised in also happens to be the only real one. It's a good, this, is, uh, this is a great question. Supposing I was raised in Iran, my parents would have raised me to believe in Allah and his prophet Muhammad. Everyone around me would insist that Allah is the one true God and Muhammad is his prophet, just as everyone around me now insists that Yahweh is the one true God and Jesus is his son. It seems as though, in either case, most believe what they do because they were raised to and because it's culturally reinforced. Is that a good reason to think that something is true? Can I just say no? <laughs> but I think whoever wrote this question is right. And maybe even for some of you sitting here today, that's true about you. And one of the things we said two weeks ago is that when tons of people have questions for God, one of the things that's interesting is it seems like once you become a Christian, you stop questioning. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's a smart thing to do. Well, actually, I do. It's not the smart thing to do. And we really should be thinking critically and not being afraid to investigate anything and everything so that you can really know what you believe. So I think that's, that's critical. Okay, then let's go here. If there is only one true religion, Christianity then why do people have different religions? Like, why would people have different views on faith if there is only one true God? And we argue on who is right. Who is right? How do you know what religion is true? 
when they all say that, our, that they are the right religion and you must join their church to go to heaven? How do we create inclusive communities where people from all faiths, religion systems, of beliefs and worldviews can love and respect each other without trying to convert each other? And here I'll do this last one. Throughout history, men and women claim that they're receiving messages from God. They preach, they write, condemn, etc. But as I read of their claims and their true meanings of the gospel, I see huge differences of their interpretations when compared to each other. What is the truth? I see some right, but then I see significant wrongs within these men and women. I'm confused. See, now what's interesting is, uh, I love the question right before that, why, why can't we just create an inclusive community where we can all just love and respect each other and not try to convert each other, and then somebody else looks at all the different views that are out there and tries to deal with them and says, man, I can't figure out, you know, th- there's some major differences. Some are, aren't they all the same, or what are they? And so that's what we're going to address today, is uh, as a, a Christian church and f- believers in Jesus Christ, um, we just want to take a look at this whole issue that all over the world, <laughs> there are people who believe strongly with deep convictions things about God. And so before I jump into what our message would be about Jesus Christ and why we think he might be unique, um, we have some video footage of, I'm from Detroit originally, and we have some video footage of some of the religious leaders in the Detroit community that we had done with my church back there. And uh, who are just going to give a, a few minutes, a minute, pretty much about a minute, minute and a half, of their own belief about God and their own view, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Islamic, and the Jewish, Jewish? <laughs> sorry, the Jewish view uh, of God. So before I jump into the message, let's just, let's let people who believe differently speak for themselves real quick about their view of God. Hindu person, God is many different things. Because um, within Hinduism, there's pantheism, there's, you know, there's many different ideas. Krishna is the original form of God, and from him, unlimited incarnations are coming. Vishnu, Narayan, uh, Lakshmi, God also has female form, both male form and female form. The Srimad Bhagavatam states that there are more names for God than there are waves of water on the ocean. So all of those are different forms of God. Uh, Jehovah, Allah, Buddha, Rama, Yahweh. Hinduism is uh, a very wide open religion. They're very tolerant of all other religions. You know, they feel that there are, like in Bhagavad Gita, it says there are many paths leading to God. And uh, they're all valid. God or Allah is the source of every blessing, every guidance, every good things, every greatness and, and grace and, and dignity and divinity, a source of peace, source of prosperity, source of salvation, source of success. For us, he is everything. Uh, there is a verse in the Quran that he is saying that he is closer to us than this vein here, the what you call it, jugular vein. He is just closer. 
Buddhism is a non-theistic religion. And so we don't have a belief in God, uh, but instead in Buddha nature, which is within each person, and uh, which is something that the Buddha, Shakyamuni, discovered upon awakening. As I, as I said, um, he said, something like wonderful and marvelous without exception, all beings are Buddha. Not people don't realize that, and so that's what the practices are about. Uh, so we look inside for that rather than outside for, and actually Buddhism is called a religion of self-help rather than other help. The concept of God in Judaism is a concept that we don't really understand. As far as we can explain God, God has many names. And the point of every one of God's names is because you can perceive God in a certain way, but that's not God. I don't know if you've ever seen the film about, I think it's 12 blind men who banged into an elephant. And each one felt a different part of the elephant and thought he was feeling something else. And the truth is, each one was able to describe their limited perspective or perception of what they were banging into. But that really wasn't the elephant. It's the same idea. God created the world. He is, was, will be. That's all we know. He's the power behind all powers. But who is he? How can I define him? The word, the name that we use to define him means undefinable. It just describes a concept of something that's really undefinable. So with our limited human perspective, we cannot define exactly who is God. God is beyond the realm of perspective. All right. Well, there's a beginning. <clears throat> and um, before, before I even jump in to do this, I just want to pray. And I, I'd like to for, invite you to pray with me. Because, um, again, uh, one of the things that, that we believe is that if there is a God, and, um, and if he has revealed himself to us, if he actually wants to be in relationship with us, then one of the things we need to do is just open ourselves to him today. And uh, be willing to, uh, and that's part of it, again, is it's always a sense of humility, of a willingness and an openness to say, God, I really would like to know you, and, um, and I'd like to understand who you are. So I just want to pray for us uh, before we jump in uh, for this message. Let's do that. Father in heaven, throughout all humanity, all cultures, all of history, people have sought after you. They've wondered about you, come up with ideas of who you are, trying to figure out what this life's all about, how to make it work, and what role you play. And here we are in 2009, October 11th, we're doing the same thing still, wondering about who you are, what this is all about, and how you fit into our life. So God, I just, I just want to ask right now um, that in this place, in this hour, um, that you might meet us here. And that you, out of your great love for every person that's in this room, you know our hearts, you know our thoughts, you know our questions, you know what we believe, what we don't believe, you know each one of us intimately. And I just ask now in the name of Jesus Christ 
that you might speak in a way that I can't. And that is right to the heart and the soul of each of us. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, here we go. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to me is that, is that on our planet, you're going to find uh, pretty much anywhere between 90 95% of the, popu- the world's population believes in some sort of deity. And what's interesting is how similar they actually are. And I think that that's partly why this is such a hard question to ask. How come Jesus is any different? Because when I look at all the religions, I see a lot of good, right? I mean, do you guys, I mean, do you see good when you look at the religions? And I I just think that when we look at the world's religions, we need to see, wow, when it comes to moral law, most of them were in line with so many things. The other thing that most world religions grant is that, that there is accountability for your actions here on this earth and, and eventually in heaven. And so in our hearts, I think what has happened throughout the history of the world is that there's been a pursuit of God. And then somehow when we pursued God, humanity has come up with some very similar things. That's intriguing to me, actually, why there would be so many similarities. Um, Let me give you a couple verses in Scripture that I think might share why, from the Christian perspective and God's revelation to us in the Scriptures, of why we might be so similar. Romans chapter 1, verse 19 says, For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God has made, and they can clearly see his invisible qualities. Interesting, his invisible qualities. His eternal power and his divine nature, so that they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. In Romans chapter 2, verse 14, it says, even when Gentiles, again, Paul was writing to the Jewish people here, so anybody outside of the Jewish faith, um, he says, even when Gentiles who do not have God's written law instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is actually written within them. For their own consciences either accuse them or tell them that they are doing what is right. See, so again, from the Christian perspective, it would be that God has actually, from the beginning of time and from the existence of creation, actually been working in the hearts of men and women. (laughs) No matter what pursuit they went down, when people seemed to pursue God, one of the things they found with inside themselves was this conscience, this belief that there's good and there's bad. And then it's just crazy to me, uh, listening to some messages and doing some research this week, let me just give you, apparently, from one uh, author's perspective, there are eight moral laws that are agreed upon in all world religions. The first one is this, don't do harm to anybody, (laughs) just the golden rule. Everybody stands for that. Secondly, honor your parents. Third, be kind to your brothers and sisters and the elderly. Number four, There should be no sex outside of a relationship with your spouse. Number five, don't lie. Number six, be honest in all your dealings. In other words, don't steal. Number seven, take care of those who are less fortunate or weaker than you. And number eight, dying to self is the path to life. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) 
See, now, if all world religions throughout all time and all cultures are coming up with those eight things, can you see why then when Jesus Christ kind of hops on the scene and there's some uniqueness, people go, wait, 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 wait a second. We're all in the same boat here. I can see why this would be a really, really difficult question because what does this teach us, you guys? First of all, it teaches us that humanity can know what is right and what is wrong. We can know this by our pursuit of God, no matter what pursuit you go down, no matter what world religion you're following. Apparently, we're going to discover in our hearts what is right and what's wrong. And it's why we can look at any religion and see good in it. And I think that's really, really important. Can I just say, because I think what happens here, you guys, sometimes um, is when somebody challenges Jesus Christ, you know, what Christians will do oftentimes is get really defensive, right? And say, well, who do you think Jesus, we, oh, because he said he is, and we just, we get nasty and mean, and, and, and instead of just chilling, and then we say, oh, you guys are evil, and you're bad, and, and I just, I feel like I just want to say, if, if, if you're one of those followers of Christ that feels like you got to defend Jesus, he's big enough, and he can, he can handle himself. So just chill a little bit and open your eyes. Seriously, open your eyes to the other religions in the world. And you'll see some of this reality. And I just want to say this too. That Christianity has not always been right. It has not always been the right religion and the right way to follow. It hasn't been the perfect religion throughout history. In the history of Christianity, you will see that it had often, and even in places today, is so messed up. <laughs> and it looks actually a whole lot more like the Pharisaic religious religion that Jesus was trying to crucify <laughs> instead of like Christ himself. Can we all agree on that? See, so you can't just look at Christianity and say, well, man, it's been great. No, it hasn't. See, because it's not always about just holding the right answer, saying a prayer so you can get into heaven, and then knowing all the right answers so you can be better than everybody else. That's just so not the life of Christ. So here's the question then. If there's so much similarity and there's good in world religions, then what is up with Jesus Christ? Why does he seem to be so different? Have you guys ever entered a conversation and you go on to talk about God with people? Do you find that most people are actually kind of cool talking about God? Okay, have you ever tried to bring up Jesus in a conversation? It's like, for some reason, everything changes when you bring up his name. You know, how many times have you seen somebody and they've taken a hammer and they've hit and they're dominating with Muhammad, you know, or Buddha, you know, you know, you know, you, know, you go, Jesus Christ. Why? What is it about his name that seems to be causing so much more weight in our world? And that is what I want to share with you today, because in the midst of all the sameness, um, we need to just say, where's the difference? Um, as the one person who said, man, I'm looking at all this, and I, but there's a big difference, I see. Well, what's the difference? The first thing I want to share with you today in the difference is that Muhammad and Buddha and any other religious leader in Jesus apparently are not equal. See, there's this one little thing that separates Jesus from the rest of the religious leaders' claims and their pursuits of God. And uh, the guy representing Judaism used the example, right? Have you guys heard that, uh, the example of the elephant? Okay. Uh, My understanding is it was four of them, you know. One of them went up and grabbed the trunk, and they said, man, an elephant is uh, is like a hose. 
And the other guy grabbed his leg and said, man, no, this elephant is like a tree. The other one ran up against his side and he goes, no, man, this, this elephant, it's like, a, it's like a building. It's like a wall. And then the other guy's at the end, he's got the tail and he's like, no, no, an elephant is like a snake, right? And see, this parable was actually given to help us to understand why world religions have their differences. Because we're all, as the guy from Judaism said, what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out this huge God that's so far beyond us, and we're blind, right? These are four blind guys. And so you do your best, and you run into God, and you go, okay, I think he's like this. And this guy's saying, no, he's like this. No, he's like this. But it's all the same. Well, no, it's not. See, but here's what's interesting. I think that's a really, really good parable, okay? I think it makes total sense if humanity is going to try to figure out who God is, then that is the best we're going to do, isn't it? I mean, again, I say this all the time. I'm hoping God is bigger than my limited understanding. I really do. And so if I'm going to try to figure him out, that's probably about the best I'm going to do. I think he's like this. And maybe it's a part of who he is. So the question is, see, the question isn't so much which religion is right. Is he the tail or the leg or the wall or the trunk. The question that needs to be asked is, who is God? <laughs> really? <laughs> and here's the reality. There is no way for us to ever know unless he has revealed himself to us. And if he hasn't revealed himself to us, then we are left to grab a tail or a leg in our finite humanness. But if God has revealed himself to us, then we have a chance to step back and look at the elephant. <laughs> and this is where Jesus Christ comes in. See, because Jesus, what you'll see with every religious belief system is somebody was pursuing after God. Somebody wanted to know who God was. Somebody bumped into God. Jesus never claimed to pursue God. He actually said he was God. That is a huge difference. I mean, it's huge. There's a big difference between pursuing him and being him. So Jesus didn't receive a revelation, which other faiths many times said, we've received a revelation. Jesus didn't receive a revelation. He said, I am the revelation. Okay, so that's what we have to deal with here. And that's why we say, well, what's the big deal with Jesus? Why does Jesus think he's the only way? Well, because he thinks he's God. And so we got a problem here because this dude who walked around like you and me thought he was something special, uh, even more special than the others. And this has always been the issue, you guys, with Jesus, even when he was here. Let me read for you John chapter 8, starting with verse 45. And he's talking with the religious leaders again here. And in verse 45... He says, yet, he's talking again to the Pharisees and the religious Jewish leaders. He's yet, because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? <laughs> See, this is, I, 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 I was just telling uh, somebody, I, I feel a little bit better today because even when Jesus tried to explain himself, nobody would believe him. So I'm not expecting a whole lot today, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, if they wouldn't believe him, I don't know why they, any of you would believe me. But um, that's why I prayed, because I actually do believe it's a spiritual deal. 
and it's a revelation. And that's what Jesus gets into. He says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you don't belong to God. This is, again, just for a minute, this is when we're going to get away from the happy Jesus, okay? And we're going to get to this guy who's, you got to say, I'm serious, you got to think, is he nuts? Is he crazy? Is he arrogant? Who does he think he is? The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? <laughs> I love that. These guys are, you are absolutely nuts, is what they're saying. You must be filled with a demon because you're an idiot. You're crazy. I'm not demon possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, and yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? I love it. That's our question for today. Who do you think you are? And I know for some of you, that's your question. I love it. You're in good company. And Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. (laughs) But I do know him, and I keep his word. And your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it, and he was glad. Wait a second. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now, anybody know the Jewish history at all? (laughs) When Moses said, okay, these people are going to freak out when I'm supposed to come here and tell them, who who are you? So I can tell them. Tell them I am sent them. I mean, in other words, God is saying, I'm I'm far beyond. It's, It's the word that the Jews couldn't even say. And Jesus now is claiming in this moment to be God. And you can see that because at that, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Okay. So you're starting to follow Jesus here? Do you see why he's controversial? Do you see why he causes problems not only today, but 2,000 years ago? He's making some weird claims, and partly as you sit and think about Jesus today, we can't start, one of the things I don't think you can really do is, wow, this is a really sharp guy. No, this guy's nuts. You're demon-possessed. So we go on. Okay, let's, one more, let me just share with you one more thing. in John chapter 10, verse 24. It says, the Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did. I did tell you, but you don't believe. See, the miracles I do in my father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. (laughs) And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has been given to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
And again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to him, wait, 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 wait. I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of those. <laughs> That's cool. That was great. Love the show. But for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So there we go. You guys, the whole issue is Jesus is going, listen, I know you guys thought I was a tail. I know you thought I was the trunk or the leg, but I'm actually here to show you who I am. And I'm claiming to be God. So we just need to notice a few things that he claims here. One is uh, just a few verses after that in verse 37, he says, do not believe me. I love that too. This, I love Jesus. Because he's coming, he's, I, he's always humble and gentle in spirit. So he looks at these guys and he says, don't believe me unless I do what my father does. In other words, don't believe me unless I can actually do what God does. But if I can do what God does, then maybe you should think twice. And so one of the things, again, claims that Jesus says, and, and what we just, which we just read in chapter 10, verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life. Is there any other person who's ever claimed to be able to give you eternal life that you didn't think was an absolute nut? But that's what Jesus claims he can do. And then Jesus says, he goes, see, he's not saying, I'll show you the way to eternal life, which is what, what world religions have done is they've sought God and they've, I think God revealed to them good and that's why there's wisdom in world face. That's why there's righteousness in world face. That's why there's good things in there because we're going to show you the way. But Jesus said this really funky thing in John 14, 6. I am the way. I'm not going to show it to you. I, I am it. And I am the truth. Okay? And so these are some different things. And this is where a lot of people will say, if you look at Jesus, he's a great example. See, but he's not a good example. <laughs> if we follow him to that degree, if all of a sudden all of us in this room said, man, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and so I'm God. <laughs> We'd go, no, you're not. You're not. Okay? Secondly, he's the one, he said, that he could forgive sins. And people just said, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus often would go wrong, forgiving people's sins. And that's something that only God can do. And then he said here in chapter 8, verse 51, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Are you kidding? Can you imagine me get up here? By the way, when I get done teaching today, if you'll keep the word, you'll never see death. You know, hopefully all of you would never show up to this place again. Because <laughs> that would just be ludicrous for me to say that. And yet, that's what he says. So anyway, some more claims. The other thing he said is, he goes, so don't believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father's in me and that I am in the father. I love this again. So even if you don't believe me, believe the miracles, you guys. Lazarus was dead, and I raised him from the dead. Look at the numerous people that I spoke to, and they were healed, and I touched their bodies, and they were healed. The authority that I showed over the demonic oppression in people, that they had to obey me when I spoke that word. I walked on water. I fed 5,000 with a few fish and some loaves of bread. So if you don't want to believe me, believe in what I've done. So that you can see, because this is only God's stuff. 
This isn't human stuff. It's beyond the norm. The other thing that I think we need to look at is his character and his integrity. Again, in John chapter 8, verse 46, he said, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And what did they say? Oh, yeah, I have a list here. No. See, this was the problem. They hated this guy because they couldn't prove him guilty of anything. They tried. When he was this time to stand before, they came and they couldn't find anything that Jesus Christ had done wrong. So how do we crucify this guy? How do we get this guy down? Because he's good. See, and so we have to deal with that. And then his wisdom and his insight. I was just reading again. You go through, and all the time, the religious leaders, it says, then they asked him questions to trap him. They asked questions to try to test him. They asked him questions. These really smart, intellectual, top-of-the-line religious leaders We're going to nail him, and I'll catch him on this one. And finally, near the end of his days, he finally goes and it says, and they dared not ask him any more questions. Because <laughs> they couldn't do it. See, and so, for years, the question has come to this. C.S. Lewis, my wife, tells me, is one who shared this first. I'm going to go with her. She's smarter than me. Josh McDowell used it. People use this. And so the question is, either Jesus Christ is a liar, flat out, right? I'm God. I give eternal life. I forgive sins. I'm... Either he's totally lying, and you have to deal with that here today. Is Jesus Christ, was Jesus Christ a complete liar? Secondly, if he wasn't lying, if he actually thought this was true, then you got to go, then is he a lunatic? <laughs> Seriously. Because <laughs> this is just nuts, the stuff this guy is proclaiming about himself. But see, if you look at his life, and you go, man, anybody who's a lunatic, you guys is not a person who anybody else can find one wrong thing in. A lunatic, well, a lunatic isn't a person who's so right in his mind and so wise and so sharp that nobody can test him and change him and catch him in something wrong. I mean, so when you, when you start, so see, this is for me where all of a sudden I go, if he has infinite wisdom and poise and insight and charisma, thousands of people followed this guy. The top intellectual people couldn't trap him. They couldn't find him doing anything wrong. And the guy's saying he's God. Then he's a liar or he's a lunatic or maybe he's God. (laughs) Seriously. And this has just been what I think we have to wrestle with if we're really going to look at the person of Jesus. Because he wasn't just a great teacher. And he wasn't just a good example. He was a good teacher, obviously. And he was a really good person. And he did set a very good example. And he claimed to be God. And so that's the first difference. And I think that's why when people hit their thumb, they yell, Jesus Christ. And that why when we bring them up into a conversation, it starts to put chills on your back. Because there's something about that name that's different than every other name. Because nobody else was claiming this stuff. So there we go. That's the first thing. The second thing that we need to look at with the difference of Christ and other faiths is the whole issue of salvation. Because there's this other title that was given to Jesus. And it was Savior. And so uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, is talking where the angels appeared, right? And it said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
Okay, for everybody in the whole world, everybody who sought after God, everybody who's wanted to know if he's there, everybody who can tell what's right and wrong in their hearts, he goes, there's great joy for all people because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. A Savior. And then Jesus again, John 3.16, the classic verse for Christianity is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. So apparently there's this issue of perishing, but instead have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Now, so I was thinking about this, and I just thought, see, this is one of the biggest issues, I think, in the, when it becomes in, in the difference between um, a lot of the faiths that are out there today is this issue of salvation. And I, was, I had this picture in my mind. Can you imagine a guy, uh, you know, he's standing up on the, you know, the Titanic or whatever, right? Kind of a scene. And this all guy's, oh my gosh, the people are perishing, they're perishing, right? And he dives down into the water and he goes to save them. And then you look around and everybody's sitting in an inner tube, you know? They're flopping around. Go, what are you doing? What's your deal? Because <laughs> you're nuts. I'm fine. See, and I feel like in our world today, everybody's like sitting in inner tubes going, what in the world's the big deal with Jesus? <laughs> and why do you guys keep talking about this saving thing? And, but what if you didn't know as you're sitting in your inner tube, because Jesus was up on this boat and he saw this school of sharks that were coming. <laughs> and he had dived in to save you and to rescue you. <laughs> but you didn't know it. See, and this is, one of the things that's just different. So if you're here and you're wondering and you're pursuing and you're thinking and you're open to all possibilities, I'm glad and I want to say investigate hard, but don't miss the fact when you investigate Christianity, and I hope you do, that Jesus was a, a savior. And see, there's no reason for a savior if everybody's okay. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. And so, so let's go back for a second to all the world, what the world religions teach us. Again, every world religion will go, man, this is, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And we can agree on those things. Side note, I think that's where we can couple up with each other in our different faiths and fight some of the evil in this world because we actually do believe some of the things that are the same. So I think that's okay. But the other thing that I think it teaches us, you guys, is... If we look around at our world, it's still a mess, is it not? I mean, we're not getting better. We're still killing each other. We're still getting divorced. We're still hurting each other. Wars are just rampant all over the place. So the world is a mess. So we know what the right thing is, and yet we can't seem to do it. And I feel like in our world, we need help. Even if I went through the eight things and said, how, how are you doing on those eight? How'd you do on those? You know? I mean, all of us, if we were going to be totally honest, we would have to go, not very good. I've fallen short on all of those. And so then we need to say, okay, so how many times is that, do you, do you get to do bad things before you're not a good person anymore? You know, isn't that wild? Like, I remember doing youth ministry, right? Kids are getting, you know, wasted and drunk, and they're abusing people, they're having sex, and their, their parents will come, he's a good boy. I'm like, okay, um, when aren't you a good boy? <laughs> and how do you know when you're not? See, because if you want to make the standard, what all world religions have said is right and good, 
None of you, including me, are close to making that standard. So then what we have to do is we have to make up our own then and say, okay, well, it's like if I do this much. Really? So you want to put your hope in the fact that you did enough, even though you don't really know what enough is, but you know you're not good totally because you haven't done it very well, and you're just hoping that God's going to be up there and going, that's all right. I, I see it's so scary to me. So we need God's help, you guys, because how are we going to set things right that are wrong? How are we going to fix what's broken? And if you still do have a conscience, when you do things that are against those eight things, does it ever bug you when you do them? You know, it, it, when we're young, they kind of bug us. And then eventually, I think what can happen is we can build up a, an immunity to that. Our heart gets kind of hard, and all of a sudden, we're like, you know, that's oh, not that big of a deal, you know. I know the whole world thinks it is. All the world religions throughout the history of time and all cultures have thought this was wrong, but I'm, I'm not going to listen to that and do that. But I would guess if you really want God, that you're sensing something inside you that just goes, this isn't good. There's a conscience inside you. And see, so when we get to that conscience, that's when I think we need to go, man, I, I think maybe I do help. What am I going to do? Well, you can keep the five pillars. You can do the eightfold path. You can do the Ten Commandments. And then you try to do them, and what happens? You realize, hey, I can't do it. Now what? This is really hard. And so we start to make our own rules, and we get it caught up and following something that hopefully God will say, all right, good try. You know, guys, what's interesting, again, in some of the study this week, one guy was saying that you can pretty much take all religions in the world and put them into two different camps. In one camp, God is kind of aloof. Okay? He kind of stands at a, at, at a distance. And in another camp, God is just impersonal. <laughs> He's not a personal God at all. And so if you put God into the camp where he's aloof, then what happens is, is it leads to legalism. And instead of having a God, you know, as I'm going to get to with Christ, who says, I'm here for you, you have a God who stands away from you and he says, come on. Prove it to me. Prove your worth to me. And then when you see me, and you won't know until then, I'll decide if you get in or not. That, I'm just got to tell you, man, that ain't for me. I don't want to live my life hoping that I'm good enough that when I see God someday, he's going to decide whether I was or not. But see, if he's not personal, if he's impersonal, then you have this kind of camp of fatalism. Because now there's no real purpose in life. You just kind of go through life. There's, I'm not, there's not a, I'm not, either it's humanism where there's no reason for me being here, and so I'm just kind of, going to the end and then there's nothing at the end or, or am I reincarnated where it's not, not linear, where there isn't a purpose or a future, but it's just one shot and then another shot and then another shot until what? And see, the one thing that you'll find unique, I think, in Christianity is it's not about legalism. Now, there is some Christianity who has been, but it hasn't 
than the one that Christ taught us. And it's not fatalism. You might think there's no purpose, but why does every human being want purpose? See, what Jesus came to show us, and we talked about this last week, is that what it's really all about is relationship. What it's really all about is love. The reason we got all this problem in the world is because God created a world where there could be love. And for there to be love, there needs to be free choice. And so we sit here today, and one of the things that this one guy said, and it's just amazing, he goes, check every other religion and see if there is a God who's pursuing you. Is Jesus the only way? I can tell you this. Jesus is the one who said God loves you and is coming to you and who's not demanding what you do for him, but is the one who says, let me do it for you. See, in Christianity, that's what's unique and that's what's different. That's what Jesus revealed. There is a God who's coming after you. So the whole relate, you know, the issue you isn't, again, not necessarily saying, <laughs> okay, man, you know what this is about? There's a test, and when you get to heaven, you know, you chose C, sorry, it was A. Or, you know, hey, if you fill in the blank and you wrote in the wrong blank. See, it's not about that. What Jesus came to reveal to us, it's about relationship with God. And why God said, choose me, is because he, as the creator, is your life. He's your life. He's the only one who will ever love you perfectly. The only one who can sustain you into eternity. The only one who's always right and who's always good. And what he said through Christ was, we have a problem here. You're apart from me and we need to get back together. And so I'm going to come to you. So is Jesus the only way? Well, Jesus is the only one who said that. That I know. And he's the only one who actually came and did something about it for you and not told you to do something for him. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God. See, that's where Jesus is different. All of it's from God. And that's what Jesus wanted to reveal to us. God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So you got reconciliation is what? It's a relational term. We are supposed to be brought back together to God, not just be wise, not just make good decisions, not just care for people. All of those are good things. But we needed to be reconciled to God. And how did he do it? He reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling what? Who? The world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Who's, why, why Jesus? Because no other religious leader said, I'm God. And no other religious leader said, I'm the savior of the world. And no other religious leader was able to take on and walk a perfect life to take on our sin so that we could be brought back into relationship with God. Are they good? Yes. Do they have wisdom? Yes. 
Can they be helpful? Yes. Are they different from Jesus? Yes. And then in 1 John chapter 4, it says, Friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the one who would turn aside his wrath and take away our sins. So, he sent his son into the world so that we might live. <laughs> Sat on the couch last night with Suze, listening to the song you're going to listen to here in just a minute. And I thought, um, <clears throat> for two weeks I've thought, I'm going to get done with this message, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do right now, and that is, would you just keep really seeking if you're wondering what this is all about and what's up with all the faiths? Again, my answer would be, what's up with all of the faiths is that God put in the heart of every person to know what was right and what was wrong. And so that when they pursued him, they came to that and they came to understand that. But I think the other reason he put that in our hearts was so we could also understand that we can't meet it. And that that might actually kind of freak us out a little bit. And that we wouldn't want the pressure anymore of saying, I've got to, I've got to achieve this, I've got to figure this out. But instead, that when he would send his son into the world to save the world, we would be sheep, his sheep, and we'd hear his voice, and we'd go, I get it. I get it. I need that. And I want that. I don't want to just pursue God and try to please God. I want to know God. And through Christ, you can know him. So, if you still need to go after that, keep going. Keep going. Be honest. Be humble before him. But I do want to encourage you, don't make it an intellectual pursuit. Make it a relational pursuit. And use your whole mind and your whole heart. But then I can't help but wonder. I just This way hit me last night. I can't help but wonder. Maybe, just like Jesus who said, well, you don't believe me, but maybe you don't believe me, and that's so fine. It's not my job to make anybody believe anything. It's not what I'm here for. I'm just supposed to tell you what he said. But maybe today, when there's somebody, maybe one person sitting here today, maybe you're sitting there going, I get it. And maybe it's resonated with your heart for the first time. And it's your choice, which is amazing because God doesn't pressure you to do anything. But can I just say, if you've heard him today, and maybe you're hearing him for the first time, and maybe you're finally just sensing, wow, this really is about love. This really is about me knowing God. 
that I could finally be set free from my wonder and my hope for whatever path you're going down. Today, you could just confess that to him and say, I believe. And he says, if you believe in me, I will wipe out all of the sin. That's why I came. And if you believe in me, I will now come into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you. And you will know me. And I will begin to make you a glorious human being in the image of Christ. So, this final song is basically just going to say, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Because you know what? As I said two weeks ago, I can't prove squat to you. I can't prove to you that Jesus is. I can just tell you what he said and what he did. So at least we have enough evidence to not be stupid to believe this. So maybe you're right. And maybe you're wrong. Maybe he's way more than you thought he was. And I just want you to wrestle with that as we go to this final song. So Ben, why don't you guys come on up? And you just sit with this, and I'm going to pray. Let me just pray for you. And then you, I would love for you, while you listen to Heidi sing this song, to just have a prayerful, spiritual, deeply spiritual experience with God in these next few minutes. Let me pray. Father, if you're real, and Jesus, if you are who you say you are, I just simply want you to make yourself known in the hearts and the minds of the people who want to know that today. And I just pray that you would come even in these next few moments and meet us deeply and personally and intimately. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.